0: Today, James Altucher's terrible advice about renting a home versus buying. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. Hey, everybody. So last month, I saw a blog post by James Altucher that was entitled, Don't Buy a Home. And I'll put the link in the show notes. But before I get started, I have to say that that is some of the most idiotic financial advice I've ever read anywhere. And many of his arguments in the blog post are flat out wrong. So if you want to find bad personal advice today, you really do not have to look hard. It's everywhere. But the problem is, is that some of the worst advice out there comes from quote unquote experts and financial gurus. Now, one expert Offering disastrously bad counsel is that guy I was just mentioning, James Altucher. Don't get me wrong, he's a very smart and extremely successful guy. He's built supposedly he's built multi-million dollar businesses and a giant platform, and the, the majority of his messages are healthy and smart. But if you take his advice to rent and not buy a house, you could be screwing yourself badly. In my opinion, buying a home is the single easiest way, to grow your wealth. Now in his blog post, he covers a bunch of reasons why you shouldn't buy a house. And there are actually a couple of valid points in his argument, but overall his position is based totally on falsehoods. I'm not going to read the whole blog post, but here's a bit. He says, imagine an investment where you put up most of your savings, if not all, then you borrow 400% more to pay for the rest of it. Then you spend another 50 to 100% to fix it. Then every year you spend more than you thought you would on maintenance. Hence the cliche, a house is a money pit. Unless you are an expert on house maintenance, it will always cost more per year than you thought. Then you spend a good chunk on interest payments. Not only that, the quote investment is not liquid, meaning you can't sell it in a day like a stock or take money out of it like a checking account. Okay, so I'm not going to unpack all of this, but I've lived in houses that I own for over 20 years now, and I've never spent more than $500 in a year on home repairs, other than maybe in the six months before you sell a house, you know, doing stuff like painting and power washing and stuff like that, that more than pays for itself when the house does sell. So if you're not an idiot and you get a thorough home inspection before you buy you could go 10 years or more without having to make home repairs. And he's right, you do spend a good chunk on interest payments, but that interest is tax deductible, which in real terms decreases your monthly cost. So one statistic that he cites... Without citing the source, that really pisses me off is that an investment of a hundred dollars in a home in nineteen seventy-five would have returned a hundred dollars in two thousand thirteen. That's right, a hundred dollar investment in 75 turns into a hundred dollars in two thousand thirteen. And this is simply not fucking true. And I feel bad for his dumbass followers who would take this stat on face value. So, first off, even though he cherry-picked those years to skew poorly against the housing market. A $100 investment in a home in 1975 would have actually been worth about $600 in 2013. It would have been worth way more in some areas and less in others. Real estate, as you probably know, is a hyper-local market. Either way, what he doesn't tell you is that housing prices in 1975 had just already bumped up by 10 percent, and in 2013 we were at the bottom of the trough of the biggest crash in our lifetime. So if he had chosen different years, the results would be significantly better. He also cites the Case-Shiller Housing Price Index, which shows housing prices increasing an average of 3.7 percent between 1928 and 2013. And then he does this, which is idiotic. He compares that 3.7 percent growth to the stock market, which, as he writes, has returned an annualized 9.5%. Well, if you completely lack intellectual curiosity, you'd take those numbers and you'd think, oh, wow, yeah, you're right, I could do better in the stock market, so I'll rent a house. But again, there's much more to the story. I would way rather have a 3.7% annual gain on my house than 9.5% in the stock market. Why? Because of leverage. Nobody, at least nobody who's financially literate, buys a house with 100% cash. I know for me, I put 5% down on my first house and the mortgage was slightly lower than what I would have spent on rent for the same home in that neighborhood. So the cash on cash appreciation of the house would have actually been 74% per year because you're getting appreciation on 20x your down payment if you had put in 5%. So that whole housing market versus the stock market is a terrible argument if you just look a little bit beneath the numbers. Now, um, let's run a couple more numbers just so we can fully grasp how dumb James Altucher's advice is. Now, today, pretty much any first-time home buyer can purchase a home with 10% down, unless you have maybe really bad credit, and it's very likely you could get in for less. So where do you want to live Let's choose uh, Cincinnati, Ohio as an example. I like that town. It's a great place. People are super friendly um, and it's doing well. So I did a quick scan on Zillow and immediately was able to find a fully renovated two-bedroom, one-bathroom home for sale that was uh, $134,900. Cute little starter home that was 100% move-in ready. And since it was just rehabbed, it's likely going to be years before any significant home repair expenses would start popping up. So with a good, but maybe not excellent credit rating somewhere between 660 and 719 and a 10% down payment, it's very likely that you could end up with a 30-year fixed rate loan at maybe 3.75 or less interest. That would put your monthly payment at approximately $825 a month. That payment includes approximately $60 a month for mortgage insurance, which you have to pay if you've put less than 20% down. Now, if you would have put 20% down, which is about 27 grand, your total monthly payment, including homeowner's insurance and property tax, would drop to just over $700 a month. Now, I ran comps for rentals within a 10-mile radius of this house, and the average rent for two-bedroom, one-bathroom houses was $1,017 per month. So if you lived in Cincinnati and you took James Altucher's advice, you would be paying $300 more a month to keep a roof over your head while not building up equity in an appreciating asset. Now, as a real estate investor with properties in Ohio, Michigan, and Arizona, I do a lot of research on property prices, rents, demographic trends, and whatnot. And I can tell you that pretty much anywhere you might live in the United States, you're one or two zip codes away from an area where it is cheaper to buy a home than it is to rent. Now, here's another thing that James Altucher's blog post says. Quote, property taxes plus maintenance plus mortgage usually equals rent. In fact, unless the owner is a housing expert, in parentheses, rare, it's cheaper to rent than pay property taxes plus maintenance plus mortgage. Now, this, again, is simply not true. All you need is Zillow, a mortgage calculator, and a free trial subscription to rentometer.com to determine that it's really easy to save money by buying. And if you buy that home, your quote-unquote rent in the form of your mortgage payment will never go up if you've got a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. But if you rent, plan to have your monthly rental cost go up 3 to 8% per year every year. So buying a house is truly the ultimate form of rent control. Now let's look at this same house as an example of how good an investment real estate actually is. So we've now determined that it's cheaper to rent, but let's figure out how much money this is going to make you in the long run. So over the last five years, average appreciation in the Cincinnati area home values has been somewhere in the neighborhood of 9%. So if you had purchased that house five years ago, at the same price with 10% down, your cash on cash appreciation would be 90% per year. So yes, that's right. You're getting appreciation on the full value of the house, but you only have one tenth of that value in the form of your money into it. So 10 times 9% is 90%. Where else are you gonna get a 90% return on your investment? So then, Say you wanted to, you could refinance that house today after five years and cash out at least 50 grand and then go start your business or buy another house or do whatever. Okay, so it doesn't end there. So every month, you're paying down your mortgage and, like I mentioned before, you can deduct the interest from your taxes, making it even less expensive to own. And no, you can't deduct your rent payments, So now what if you don't wanna live in the same house for 30 years? Well, I wouldn't, so I don't blame you. Well, after living in that house for a few years, if you wanna move, it's not hard to sell a house. I've done it many times, or better yet, just keep it and turn it into a rental. The rent's gonna more than cover your mortgage payment and it's gonna provide some supplemental income, not a lot, but a little. And then when you're older, the renters will have paid off that house and then it'll start generating like real money. So now that it's clear, hopefully, that James's advice not to buy a home is absolutely terrible and really recklessly irresponsible, my question was why would he be so outspoken in his opposition to home ownership? Well, I, I wasn't really sure until I read a CNBC article about a wealth manager named Peter Malik who gives the same advice. And he uses the Brooklyn, New York housing market um, to for his illustration of why you shouldn't buy a house. And, okay, this kind of starts to make sense. He and Altucher both live in New York, and they both think that where they live is the center of the fucking universe, Both have that self-important myopia that comes with being New Yorkers, and they believe that the rules that apply there apply all across the country, and they don't. Again, at least 80% of the people in the United States are one or two zip codes away from an area where buying is cheaper than renting. My point here is just don't make a potentially disastrous financial mistake based on the bad advice of some self-important guru. Now, that's it for today, but I just wanted to get this off my chest because this kind of shit really pisses me off. So if you're considering quitting your job to start a business, definitely buy the house before you quit. One of the best pieces of advice that I got from my accountant was immediately to buy a house before I quit my job, and I did so in 2006— and even though I bought right before the Great Financial Collapse, living in that place made me over 150 grand that I would not have had if I'd rented. Anyway, the point there is definitely buy that house before you quit your job and start your business because it's tougher to get a mortgage when you're self-employed and you'll probably have to wait at least two years um, to show self uh, a record of self-employment income to in order to get that loan. So it's uh, it's a good idea. Anyway. Thank you uh, for listening. This is just a quick little rant and uh, I'll be back next week and uh, have a great one. Oh, and as always, if you would do me a huge favor and subscribe to this podcast, it would be a great help to me and it would mean the absolute world to me if you'd be willing to give me a good rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're on and maybe even a positive little review. Um, That would just be a huge help. I'm still new at this. Uh, still building my audience, trying to get people to, to find this. And the best way for me to get this out there is to have people subscribe and to have people rate it. So uh, thanks in advance. I appreciate it. Later. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.